Heavenly Father, we thank You for this evening. We thank You for the grace of God and the mercy of God shown to us even today. We have another day to to live, another day of life. We come in these dark days. The darkness is all around, but the light, the Lord Jesus, shines. And we are... His people, may we shine, may we be children of light in the darkness. We come to honor you at this time of the year, Lord Jesus, for your coming. We are overwhelmed when we pause to think about why you came and that we can be saved from our sins and be new people. Tonight, as we open your word, we thank you for this chance to do it as we close 2023 If you do not come before the end of this year, we pray that we might be your people and you might be pleased with us as we start the year together. May you be pleased with this church and what we are about and may we be doing what you tell us to do and that's all we should do. You are the head of the church, you are our Lord, our Savior, our Redeemer, our great high priest. And you are, as we'll look tonight, the, the servant of God. Lord, if I'm going to serve You, help me to understand how You served God the Father. So speak to us tonight from Your Word and help us to understand these things together. In Jesus' name we pray, Amen. The baby is not going to be any problem. It's all good. Is anybody going to be bothered by that? Okay. Shauna's been up here. Shauna. Shauna, how many babies? Shauna sat in Wednesday night church with babies in the womb. They heard sermons and they're better for it. So here they are. So don't worry about it. If you didn't get the outline, make sure you get them. They're at the back back there. Good to see all of you. Some of you are with us uh, because of other uh, activities not going on these days. So let me just say this quickly and we'll move along. We're, We're looking, what I'm doing with the people I spend my time with is we're going through the book of Isaiah. What are we doing? We're looking to find Jesus in the book of Isaiah. Look, here, those of you old-timers in the group and you're with us all the time, um, if, you need a, if you need a program, here he is, the program man. Adam, the program man. Raise your hand, we'll get you a program. No popcorn, but a program. But here's my point. So some of you haven't been with us. Two illustrations I've tried to give, and I'll give it to you again. You know, so a friend of mine sent me this picture I told this a few weeks ago, and it's a big group of preachers, and that was a scary thing anyway to look at. But we had all these big, all these preachers together, quite a group. Uh, but you could still make out who was in it. And he says to me, "Why?" I think it was a joke, but I didn't get it. But he says, "Can you find me in this picture?" I thought, "Why do I want to find you? I don't care about finding you. I'm looking for myself." The point is, when you read God's word. You've got to find Jesus. You read God's Word to find Jesus. And from the book of Genesis all the way through the book of Revelation, this book is about the Lord Jesus. And so last week I reminded us all, most of this group would know, uh, when the gospel was first being preached, Philip goes down to Samaria after Pentecost. He's preaching. It's a great pouring out of the Holy Spirit. People are getting saved. The Holy Spirit says to him, you leave all the people getting saved and go out to this desert road. Why? 
This is what the Holy Spirit does now. Leave all the, leave all the revival and go out here to this desert road. Oh, okay, the Holy Spirit, He goes out there. What happens? The Ethiopian is riding in his uh, royal luxury chariot. And he's reading the book of Isaiah. And he's reading it aloud as he's going along the desert. And Philip must have been fast because he was running right alongside. And he hears, you can read it, it's in your Bible. He's writing, all of a sudden he says to the, to the Ethiopian uh, who is this uh, dignitary government official, he says, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I unless somebody teaches me? So he jumps on the chariot and then he asks a very important, the Ethiopian asks a question that all of us must ask as we study the Bible. He's reading about the Lord Jesus, the suffering servant. As he reads Isaiah 53, he says, Who is he, who is the prophet speaking of? Listen, himself or someone else? And Philip, it says, began from there and preached Jesus to him. You see, here's my point. We study the Word of God so that we might see Jesus. We might see Him in all of His glory. So, we had, uh, I'll just read it, Isaiah 42 is where we're, we're stalled out. Uh, we're stalled out at, uh, in Isaiah 42 for the last uh, three weeks in the first three verses. Behold my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom my soul delights. I put my spirit upon him and he will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry out or raise his voice nor make his voice heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break and a dimly burning wick he will not extinguish. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He, 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 he. Who is the prophet speaking of? Himself or another? And I'm saying to you tonight, he is speaking Isaiah is speaking about Jesus Christ, the servant of God. Now, with that in mind, we're going to go to the New Testament because I want us to take a survey and I want us to do what God says for us to do in Isaiah 42. Behold my servant. That is, let's look at Jesus, the servant, okay? So we're going to, Scott, that's ringing a little bit or I'm, old age is causing my ears to ring. I don't know what it is, but if you can adjust that. So, John's Gospel gives us the record of Jesus talking about what it looks like to be the servant of God. So, if, if you have the outline, you've got it there. Um, tonight, I'm not, you're, you're spoiled. My, my class is spoiled. They get all the verses typed out. No, I didn't do that tonight. I just said, no. It's Christmas time and you can look up your own verses. How's that? So... You'll have to follow along in your Bible, so loosen up your fingers and, and do whatever you have to do to get limbered up. And so we're going to look at a survey of the Lord Jesus, the Son of God, the Servant of God, in His own words. Now, here's the point. At the end, here's going to be the application. If this is the way Jesus Christ, the Son of God, served God, how are we doing in serving God? Jesus. So we're going to get to that. Before I go there, I, I want to say this to you because I want you to, uh, most of you been, we, we, most of us have been running together for quite a while. Um, 
but I still think about the time that um, in a place where I'd been preaching, I'd been there for a while and preaching, and, and uh, a deacon came up and said, uh, when are you going to move on from all this Jesus stuff? Now, I'm not making this story up. I can tell you a lot of crazy stories. And I first thought, who in the world? I had a bad thought. Who in the world ever let this guy be a deacon? But I didn't say anything. I said, well, as long as I'm here, that's about all I know to talk about is Jesus. So I say to this church, I say it to you again, some of you have been around here a long time, We all, the, every road, every passage, all of Scripture leads back to the Lord Jesus, and I'm a one-string banjo. I'm talking about Jesus, and I have no shame for it. So that's all I've got, okay? That's all I've got. And so I say this to you to say, you know, I, want, I don't want to be like Peter. Lord, I'm going to follow you and be with you everywhere. Then he got scared of what a little girl said to him at the fire and cussed Jesus and ran off, went home like a coward. I don't want to be a coward. I want to be a witness for Christ, but I want to more than that follow Jesus in my life. So I'm standing here. I'm your pastor, but I want to be committed. I'm saying it to you. I'm committed for as long as I live to follow aggressively Jesus Christ. That means I don't do certain things I used to do. The Lord is, I'm His servant. You're His servant. If we say Jesus is Lord, that means I'm going to live a certain lifestyle. So I'm going to talk about Jesus and I'm going to talk about it unashamedly. People come here to the church and think I'm going to entertain them or do something else. Well, they're in for a sad awakening because I don't have any of that. I have nothing to give them. And so... I said to the man, when are you going to move on from this Jesus stuff? And my answer was, never. Never, never. There's nothing else but Jesus stuff in the Bible. Sadly, that man has moved on to other things in his life. I pray for him all the time. It grieves me and saddens me that that's the kind of attitude he would have. I hope that all of you tonight have a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. Our church, we say, we are here to follow Jesus, that's individually, love other people like Jesus, and tell the world about Jesus. That's it. That's what we said we'd do at First Baptist Church. I'm going to try to do it. I challenge the pastors to do it, all the leaders to do it. I'm challenging you to do it. This is what we're about. Now, with that said, back to the most glorious subject of all, the Lord Jesus. Let's go to John 5. And we'll follow these through uh, a little bit together. And then I just want to... So tonight we meditate on how Jesus served God the Father on the earth. And we hear it in His own words. So first of all, Jesus Christ, the servant of God the Father, works with the Father to accomplish His purposes. He's a co-worker with God the Father. God the Father in heaven sends His Son, His servant, not calling Him His Son, His servant. And the Lord Jesus always looked at Himself as the Son, but as the servant of God the Father. So what do we have? We have God the Father working, and we have God the Son working together to accomplish 
God's purposes and His will. So we read chapter 5. We'll go back to verse number... Let's pick up a little bit ahead. Verse number 9. Now, it was the Sabbath on that day, so the Jews were saying to the man who was cured, it is the Sabbath and it is not permissible for you to carry your pallet. I mean, really? Seriously? That's what legalism will get you. I mean, think about that. How ridiculous. I guarantee you these Jews hadn't seen anybody get up from a pallet and start walking around who'd been paralyzed. But they were worried about it. But He answered them, He who made me well was the one who said to me, Pick up your pallet and walk. Twelve. They asked Him, Who is the man who said to you, Pick up your pallet and walk? But the man who was healed did not know who it was. For Jesus had slipped away. Oh, isn't this beautiful? This is the way the Lord works. He's not looking for fame and notoriety. Remember we saw that in Isaiah 42? I read it to you. Isaiah 42, it says there in that verse, just stay with me now, I'm hooking all this together for you. He will not cry out, this is uh, Isaiah 42 too. He will not cry out or raise His voice, nor make His voice heard in the street. Remember I told you last week, remember how many times the Lord healed people and said, don't tell anybody. It's a secret. So Jesus, in His beautiful way, heals the man, slips away, while there was a crowd in that place. Afterward, Jesus, this is beautiful, found Him. That's what the Lord does. He did it in your life and mine. He found us in our mess. Jesus found Him in the temple and said, Behold, you have become well. Do not sin anymore so that nothing worse happens to you. The man went away, told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. For this reason, the Jews were persecuting Jesus because He was doing these things on the Sabbath. What was He doing? He was healing. But he answered them. Here's the statement. My Father is working until now, and I myself am working. That's what the Lord Jesus does. He works. He's a co-worker with God the Father to accomplish His purposes. Well, also on, it, on into chapter 5, uh, we see that the Lord Jesus Christ only went where God sent Him. So we have this big discussion now about equality with God, that the Lord Jesus is equal to God the Father. And so he says in verse 19, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of Himself unless it is something He sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, these things the Son also does in like manner. So what does He do? Notice, God the Son does what God the Father does. Quickly. Believers in Jesus do what Jesus did. That's what we do. So God the Father is working with God the Son. And the Lord Jesus is here, so we go on down. And they talk about some other things. And then we get over here to the witnesses. In verse 33, You have sent to John the Baptist, and he has testified to the truth. But the testimony which I receive is not from man. But I say these things so that you may be saved and then he goes on and says, He was a lamp, that is John the Baptist, burning, shining, uh, and you were willing to rejoice for a while in his light. But the testimony which I have is greater than the testimony of John, for the works which the Father has given me to accomplish. This is very important. The Father has given me to accomplish the very works that I do. Testify about me that the Father has sent me. What Jesus did in healing, what Jesus did in doing good, 
testify that he was sent by God. 37, And the Father who sent me has testified of me. You have neither heard his voice at any time nor seen his form. You do not have his word abiding in you, for you do not believe him who sent. He, he believe him whom he sent. You search the scriptures because you think that in them, verse 39, you'll have eternal life. It is these, that is the writings, the scriptures, the Old Testament, that testifies about me. So you see, the Lord Jesus reminds all and reminds us, when you read the Gospels and you see that the Lord Jesus went about, Peter said it, He went about doing good. I mean, He healed people. He provided miraculously to feed them. He raised people from the dead. These are all the testimonies that this is God's Son, God's servant, who's doing the work of God. Now we go on. Jesus Christ, the servant of God the Father, came from heaven to complete the will of the Father. So, <clears throat> He was sent <coughs> on a mission. So John 6, 38, we go over and we pick up again. Um, we go again. Jesus said, 35, I'm the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst. But I said uh, to you that you have seen me, and yet you do not believe. Think about this. People say all the time to me, when I witness to them, all my life they've said this. Well, if I could see Jesus, I'd get saved. No, you wouldn't. We got, we got gospels of people who saw Jesus, and they all walked away. Or they wanted what they wanted. Show us a sign. Give us a miracle. Give us what we want. Miracle worker. He said, verse 36, I said to you that you have seen me, and yet you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, see? And the one who comes to me, I will certainly not cast out. Here it is, verse 38, for I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of Him who sent me. This is the will of Him who sent me, that of all that He has given me, I lose nothing, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in Him will have eternal life. And I myself will raise Him up on the last day. You see, Jesus Christ came to do the will of God. Quick connection. As a Christian, are you tonight doing the will of God? Are you obeying the will of God in your life? Jesus Christ, the servant of God the Father, spoke the words of the Father in the world. John 8. John 8 is such a massive chapter. When we were on this, and look, now I've told you before, I'm a naive old preacher. So don't bust my bubble. I know that you all, and I'm looking around here, most of you have listened to me preach. Well, you've been in the room. Some of you weren't listening so well. Some of you were sleeping. But most of you were, I believe you remember everything I've ever preached here. Well, don't say you don't. I'm naive. I believe it. Pat says I'm deranged, but I believe it. I said, don't tell me any different, Pat. But John 8 is the, is, the, is the watershed chapter in John. It's the biggest battle the Lord Jesus had with the unbelieving Pharisees. It's a major chapter. It's a, there's so much in it. But I take you to just these few verses. First of all, when the Lord Jesus spoke... He didn't make it up. He spoke what God the Father said for him to say. This is so important, dear friends. The red letter words are the very words of God. The Lord Jesus speaks them and He says, John chapter 8, verse 26, 
So he says in verse 25, Who are you? Jesus said to them, What have I been saying to you from the beginning? I have many things to speak and to judge concerning you, but he who sent me is true, and the things which I heard from him, these I speak in the world. I'm a Christian. So what do I do? I go out and I say what the Holy Spirit teaches me from God's Word to say. That's what I do. That's the way we learn to speak in the world, like the Lord Jesus. He talked about the kingdom of God, the reign of God. He talked about repentance. The Lord Jesus talked about believing in Him so that you can have eternal life. The Lord Jesus talked about heaven. He talked about, he more, he talked about hell more than He talked about heaven, which the world laughs about. He talked about what it means to live as a disciple, to follow Him. He labored with these things. Why do we spend our time here? We labor over the words of Jesus, our Lord, so that we might be His servants. Jesus Christ, the servant of God the Father. I, I, by the way, just a side note, you know, the, the, the Mohammedans the, the, um, in, in Islam, when they first came out of the desert, uh, and started meeting up with Christians, they called Christians the people of the book. Of course. Of course. We're the people of the book. The only book. The one that speaks of the Lord Jesus. So here we have it. These blessed words. When you read the words of the Lord Jesus, and then the apostles, what do they do? They take the Lord's words, which He taught them, by the power of the Holy Spirit. They couldn't remember all this on their own. And miraculously, they remember these things and then they write all these letters to us in the back of your New Testament so that we might understand the words of Jesus. Jesus, the, Son of, uh, Jesus, the Servant of God, always pleased the Father. Verses 28 and 29. When you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He. When, they, when He means lift them up, He means crucify. And I do nothing of my own initiative, but I speak these things as the Father taught me. And He who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to Him. Is that the way you live? God's first. What He wants me to do with my job, what He wants me to do with my family, what He wants me to do in all aspects of my life. I'm a fully committed, I say Lord, and that means I have no initiatives. I have the initiatives the Lord gives me. So what are they? The Lord Jesus pleased the Father who sent Him. 49, verse 49. I'm moving quickly here. 49. Jesus answered, I do not... They were saying, well, you know, He is a demon. Uh, do, do we not say rightly that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? You know, when you, can't, when you lose the argument, you always name call. Have you ever noticed that? When people lose an argument, then they start name calling. Cussing, name calling. So they were losing the argument with the Lord Jesus. So now they said, well, you know, you're a Samaritan. You're not even a Jew, Brother Jeff. And, and you're a, you have a demon. You're demon-possessed. And the Lord said, I do not have a demon, but I honor my Father. And you dishonor me. But I do not seek my glory. There is one who seeks and judges. Truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. So, God, Jesus Christ, the servant of God the Father, honored the Father, didn't seek His own glory. Am I more interested in my fame? Am I more interested in my glory? I, you know, I've mentioned to the church before, in, in, old, in an old age, you do repeat yourself, but some of these things are worth repeating. 
I know that I've said it before, but I'll say it again. So there was a, there was a news a sports broadcast going on, and they were talking about uh, uh, Tim Tebow. Doesn't matter your opinion about Florida. I'm, I personally don't care about Florida as a football team, but they were talking about Tim Tebow, Tebow and his testimony for Jesus, and he has a great testimony. And the comment was made by the sports broadcaster, well, there's another man that Jesus ruined. Well, of course. You know what? Jesus ruins every man who comes to Him. He destroys their earthly desires, their worldly desires. He changes their life, of course. That's actually good from a pagan. He got it. Now he needs to follow Jesus and be ruined himself. Nevertheless, I thought that was interesting. Another man ruined by Jesus. I love those young men who are proud to do it, even though on the ball, you know, I've always thought to myself, if you put a cross under your eye on your helmet, you better act like Jesus, even though you're knocking the snot out of somebody out there on the ball field. In the name of Jesus. <clears throat> Jesus Christ, the servant of God the Father, honored the Father. How do you honor God? You put His priorities first in your family. You put His priorities first in your personal goals and ambitions. You bring it all to Him. You say, all right, and look, it's, it's that time of the year. Everybody's going to do their whatever they do, their new year, whatever it is. Okay, when you do your new year thing, bring it all to the Lord and say, Lord, here's everything I'm planning to do. What do you think about this? And remember, we make our plans, God directs our paths. You know what? You might be surprised. You might be in a different place doing something different next year than you thought. Don't ever, just if you trust the Lord and you serve Him, do that. Now, Jesus is the servant of God the Father. He glorified the Father. 54-55 of John 8. Jesus answered, If I glorify Myself, My glory is nothing. It is My Father who glorifies Me, of whom you say He is our God. And you have not come to know Him, but I know Him. And if I say that I do not know Him, I'll be a liar like you, but I do know Him and keep His word. Your father, Abraham, rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Truly I say to you, before Abraham was born, I am. And yet the great I am, the servant, Jesus Christ, honored God the Father. Jesus Christ, the servant and Son of God, did only the works of God. Okay, quickly, chapter 10, 25. 10, 25. <clears throat> Jesus answered, I told you and you do not believe the works that I do in my Father's name. These testify of me, but you do not believe because you are not my sheep. The works I do, I do in my Father's name. What do you do in the name of Jesus? What can you do for somebody else? It's on our sign as we leave this property. Be Jesus to someone today. However you have to do it. However you have to do it. This is how we honor the Lord Jesus. We do what He did. Jesus Christ, the servant of God and God the Father, were, were in complete union. This is chapter 10, verses 36 and 32 through 38. Do you say of Him whom the Father sanctified and sent into the world, You are blaspheming because I said I am the Son of God? If I do not do the works of my Father, do not believe me. But I do them, please notice verse 38, 
Baby's not bothering anybody. Not bothering anybody. Parents, it's good. He's just preaching. He's preaching. But if I do them, though you do not believe me, believe the works so that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. Did you know there's something about you when you got saved that's different than the way you used to be? You're now united to Jesus Christ. You didn't gain weight from it. Your hair didn't change colors. You didn't get taller. But when you came to know Jesus, He came to dwell inside of you. You are now possessed by God. You are united to Jesus Christ. And you are in a sense in heaven tonight, though you're on the earth. Look, I'm telling you some good stuff tonight. Merry Christmas. Hallelujah. Man. The Lord Jesus was united to God the Father. And lo and behold, when I come to know Jesus, I'm united to God. I'm united to Christ. And so, He is co-equal with the Father. This is the glory of the Lord Jesus that we do not share. Notice in John 14, when He's speaking to the disciples, If you had known Me, you would have known My Father also. From now on, you know Him and have seen Him. He is co-equal. He's saying... If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. That's what he talks to the disciples about. So where we go now? Quickly, we go to John 17. Oh, this is holy ground now. Sometimes I read John 17 on my knees, truly. This is sacred to us, dear friends. Who would have ever thought we would have 26 verses recording the prayer of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know what it is? It's God the Son, the servant of God's prayer for finishing His task. He says, John 17, verse number 4, I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work which you have given me to do. Eternal life is knowing God the Father and Jesus whom He have sent. Verse 3. Jesus Christ sends us, His followers, verse 18, into the world. As you have sent Me into the world, I have sent them into the world. Verse 24. Father, I desire that they also, whom You have given Me, be with Me where I am, so that they may see My glory which You have given Me, for You love Me before the foundation of the world. Now, as we finish... It's always interesting to me when uh, I've done this for a long time, you know, and buried lots of people in my life. I've been to the graveyard a lot in almost 50 years and um, about seen everything you can see. The saddest thing is, you know, when you see, when you help dear people who, you know, the, the, uh, the funeral director calls you and says, hey, look, they have no preacher. Will you come do it? Sure. And when you get there, you just see the hopelessness and misery and sadness of people who have no idea. They thought that their loved one would never die. And there he or she is, young or old, dead at the funeral home. Death has come. And uh, so, you know, you sit with the family and you say, okay, uh, or you go to the house or however, it, it, it changes. They call you on the phone or they come to the office and they want to tell you about their loved one. 
So the lady, the man comes and he says about his wife, well, she loved to watch all the soap operas. Now, I'm not making this up. I'm not making this up. She loved to watch soap operas and she loved her dog. She loved soap operas and she loved her dog. And she loved to go shopping. Pastor, would you say that in the service? Sure. Is that it? Is that all we've got? Is that all we're going to talk about? Well, I've got some songs here. And I don't even want to describe to you what the songs were. Or the dear people who put things in the hands of the dear ones in the casket. Strange things. Worldly things. Because that's all they have. It's like the burial of the Egyptians. They didn't understand, so they just buried everything with the dead Egyptian. Just put the boat in there. Stick all their cosmetics in there. <laughs> Stick it all in there. I'm not making this up. You know what's... I'm telling you the truth. When I die, when you die, what will people say about you? Well, I'm not going to even have a service. Okay, you're a tough guy or girl. That's good. That's great. Congratulations. You're tough. But by the way, since you're one of those people who likes to be in charge, you won't be in charge anymore. You'll be dead. And since you're going to be dead, what's that, Stuart? Somebody's going to take over, aren't they, Stuart? When, when I'm dead, somebody else is going to be doing the talking. What are they going to say? Okay, if they don't want to say it at the service, what are they going to be saying while they're eating dinner over at your house while you're dead? I'm just, look, I'm just trying to be plain with you. I love you in Jesus. What are they going to say about us? You see, the Lord Jesus sets for us an example. He sets us an example so that we live like He lived to God the Father. I'm asking you tonight, look, brothers and sisters, we, this is serious what we're doing here. This isn't like a club up here. We're not like the Lions Club. I've been to the Lions Club. This isn't like the Chamber of Commerce. Uh, this isn't like City Hall. We're here as God's people so that we might live for Jesus for the time He gives us. When you die, what will people say about you? My prayer is that our church is filled with those when they die. And people will say, that man or woman lived to glorify God. That's what I'm praying. When Jesus said His final words on the cross, what did that rough, tough Roman soldier... That's His job. His job was to crucify people. I'd just like to go to work every day. Honey, I'll see you after tonight. i got to go crucify some people today. That was the job of some Roman soldiers. They were on that. That was their job. Truly, this man was the Son of God. That came out of the mouth of a pagan Roman soldier who watched him die. So, we must think about our priorities. Look, the world, everything is spinning like crazy. The merry-go-round is going wide open. We're all on this crazy, worldly merry-go-round of chaos, confusion, it goes so fast, we can't even keep up. We don't even know how to get off. We must learn how to live and follow Jesus 
in a world of chaos and what the old song said, let others see Jesus in you. Keep telling the story. Be faithful and true. Let others see Jesus in you. So we read these words and then we finish. I have two minutes according to my watch, Mac watch or whatever it is. Two things and then we're going to look at a hymn on the back. And all the choir people in here, we're not going to sing it. And I guarantee you, most of you choir people, you're really smart, but I guarantee you probably have never sung this hymn by Isaac Watts. You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If then the Lord and teacher washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I gave you an example that you should do as I did to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, Are we listening now? A slave is not greater than his master, nor is the one who is sent greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, if you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. Now, come, let us fill, let us lift our joyful eyes, Isaac Watts. Come, let us lift our joyful eyes up to the courts above and smile to see our Father there upon a throne of love. Once t'was a seat of dreadful wrath and shot devouring flame. Our God appeared consuming fire and vengeance was His name. Rich were the drops of Jesus' blood that calmed His frowning face, that sprinkled o'er the burning throne and turned the wrath to grace. Now we, may, now we may bow before His feet and venture near the Lord. No fiery cherub guards His seat, nor double flaming sword. The peaceful gates of heavenly bliss are opened by the sun. High let us raise our notes of praise and reach the Almighty throne. To Thee ten thousand thanks we bring, great Advocate on high, and glory to the eternal King that lays His fury by. Praise the Lord. Before we pray, one advertisement. First of all, Christmas Eve, uh, we understand everybody's schedule. Some can come, some cannot. Uh, Nine o'clock, you know, obviously they're doing nothing but the service. Come, it'll be, it won't be, Brother Jeff's got some things. We'll, we'll sing and praise the Lord. I'm going to speak just not long and then... We'll have a, a Sunday night, our special time of candlelight. I hope you can come. That's always very significant for us as we gather at the Lord's table. Now, after the new year, you're going to start hearing advertisement. I'm going to, I'm going to preach um, on a subject that I, I hope will be um, helpful and um, uh, useful for us to share with other people. It's called Family Secrets. Family matters. Family secrets, family matters. And we're going to go and look at some of God's people, God's people who believed God, are you listening now? But they lived with family secrets. You'll be intrigued by it, I promise you. So 
I've really burdened about it. I think we need to talk to the church about what God, how God, how families matter. Are you listening now? Even though they have family secrets. I don't know how you were growing up, but my dad said to me about a few family secrets, you are not to tell anybody that you know that. It is a family secret. So, I went and told everybody I knew. <laughs> I always, always had a whipping. Every day it was like, you know, maybe some of you are like me. My dad would come in to all the kids and say, Today I'm just giving everybody a whipping just because one day you'll need it. I don't need a whipping today. Yep, today you're getting a whipping. Line up. So I always said, let my sisters go first. I'll go last. <laughs> Heavenly Father, bless my brothers and sisters. Family secrets, family matters. But family matters to God. We know that. We pray for the families of our church as they gather over the holidays, over New Year's holiday and especially over Christmas time. May it be a rich and wonderful time. May it be a chance for some of us to share with our family who do not know Jesus, the love of Jesus in the right way, in the right spirit. Help us as a church, wherever we go, to look into the eyes of people who come from all kinds of families with all kinds of secrets. May we share Jesus Christ with them so that they might see the difference knowing Jesus can make in a family today. Bless us as we go, as we honor and worship You. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.